it says here that God hears you. In other places in Scripture, it says that Jesus intercedes for you. So at the same time, God is listening to his son, whom he perfectly loves, and you who are in Christ. And he's listening to you and to Jesus. And he's not thinking, God is not thinking in his mind, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be wiped you out right now. But I gotta, yes, I have to listen, because my perfect son says you're with him. He doesn't do it out of a drudgery or begrudgingly have to listen to you. He enjoys listening to you. You are invited into his presence. You are approaching the direct presence of God when you open your mouth or silently in your heart say so say. Now, I think this also has to have a little bit of a ramification for you in terms of how you understand prayer. It is not this there are a lot of people who will do this. I grew up in a generation where this became popular, and so people were either like, yo, what's up, God? Hey, Daddy God. Hey, Abba. I mean, that's Abba means Daddy in the Greek, so we just kind of say these things. Yo, Jesus, it's me again. I want to talk to you. There is an understanding that when you are invited into his presence, you understand where you're at. Like, you understand what you're doing. Like, look at where you're at the car. You're in the quiet of your room. You're sitting in a chair in a church, silently with your head bowed, eyes open, I suppose it doesn't matter. You are in the presence of the almighty God of the universe. That's where you are right now. There's a direct line between you and him at this moment where you're in his presence. Now again, if you understand the weight of that, then you'll get that there is a certain degree that the Bible wants you to have confidence towards Jesus for that space. Because you don't just stumble into that space. <sighs> Again, I'm just kidding. You, you approach that space with reverence, but also with a confidence that you belong there. Not because of what you've done, but because of who Jesus is. You are in his presence. The second thing that you see in this passage is that you're also invited to ask Think again, and this is what he says. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. You're invited to ask God for something. And in your asking, this is what you're doing. You are opening up your heart. You're opening the door to show that you have a need of reliance on Jesus for something. You're relying on God to do something because you are, when you pray, you are admittingly, openly admitting to God in his presence, in that holy throne room that you are invited to come into, you are admitting, hey, I need the king. I, I request the service of the king to hear my request right now. I am asking for the king to step in and in his might and his ability and in his power to do something that I'm not able to do. My, my abilities are limited. My understanding comes to an end at some point. My strength fails often. Th this is the type of mentality that you are invited to ask God out of. It is a humility that as you pray more, you will become less self-reliant. Or let me say it a different way. As you pray more, you will try to do less things out of your own self-effort. So 
some of you guys, you get so exhausted in your Christian walk because you are trying to self-effort your way to being more like Jesus. You are trying to follow more rules. You're trying to you know, make more things. You're trying to make yourself stronger as a Christian. You're trying to, trying to serve more so that you can do all these things to make yourself feel like you belong next to him more. And as you do that, it's all self-generated. None of it is reliant on God working in you. It's you trying harder to be like Christ. And the prayer, the more you do it, though, is it is opening the door to admitting, I need Jesus. I don't have it without him. I need him. That's what prayer really is. Prayer is an opportunity for you to enter into the presence of God and admit your dependence and need on What often discourages people in prayer is the obvious one. And I'll just, I'll, I'll address it now. Because anytime you talk about prayer, people are immediately thinking, okay, but what about the things that I prayed that haven't been answered? I've asked for this for so long. This passage seems really hard for you if that, if that's, if you're thinking that to yourself right now, you're thinking, I have prayed and prayed and prayed that this would happen, that this person would be healed, that God would move in this way, that God would open this door, that something in my life would change. I have asked over and over. And you're telling me in this passage that he hears me. And I know that the requests that I make to him, that I have asked for them, he receives them. So you're telling me that he hears my pain, he hears my cry, and yet nothing has changed. What do I do with that? For some of you, when you read this, this passage actually discourages you more because you are hearing that God hears the things that you are asking for, and yet nothing's changing. That's even harder. Here's the, the hardest thing that we have to get clear about when we talk about prayer. Open the door to your heart and say, I need you, Jesus. I need you to time your prayers. I need you to develop a trust that you are wiser and you love me more than I love myself. Do you ever think about that? The God that you pray to loves you more than you love yourself. So when he delays an answer, or flat out says no. That is not because he's disappointed in your asking. That's not that he's saying, oh man, I really wish you would stop being so self-centered in your prayers. He's not thinking that way. He is telling you out of his grace, love, and mercy for you, child, I hear that. I know that you want that. But I need you to trust that it's not for your good. So what I have for you now, even my no, This is such an easy illustration, and, and this has probably been made seven ways to Sunday, but I'm just going to do it because it's just so cool. Right? McClendon, you guys see him running around this place all the time, right? Five-year-old, cute as a button little guy. He, you know, he thinks he owns the world sometimes because he's the baby of the family, and he's just so – I'm getting an amen from the second row here. Okay, so you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. All right, so this kid, right? If I 
allowed him, if I just said yes to him every time, there would be a lot of problems, okay? Because, number one, the things that he eats are already, like, basically teetering on the brink of, dare I say, like, there are four things, maybe three that the child will eat, one of which might be healthy. I don't know. Uh, I'm actually struggling to believe now what it is. What does he do? Milk, probably? Carrots. Oh, that's it. He likes carrots. Okay. So he likes carrots. I don't know if he has that. But if I left him to his devices and just gave him everything that he wanted when he said that, it's not going to end well for him or for the rest of us who lived under the roof with him, right? There is something to be said, and you guys know this too, that your parents, because they have lived longer, there is something to be said about the wisdom that a 35-year-old man has that a 5-year-old just doesn't have at this moment, right? So there's wisdom in that. That is a smaller scale example of the perfection of God's knowledge of every man. That when I ask for something, he receives it and doesn't grow disappointed in my asking, but he wants me to trust him with more. And I think sometimes when you have been told no, you think, well, I don't know if I'm annoying him. Maybe he's just going to say no, but I don't know. You belong here, and that's what God wants you to do. If you read again in this passage, what you'll see is that it says, He hears us, and if we ask anything according to his will. That, that, that's the key phrase in this passage, according to his will. Now, some of you guys hear that, and you go, okay, this is the trap. This is the setup. See, I always knew it was set up when it comes to prayer, right? Like, God says, come before me boldly, asking anything that you can, and I'll hear you, but it has to be within my will. And that's what God always says. And so it's always about what he wants, right? It's not really about what I want. If, if that's your mindset, I want to I kind of shift that a bit, if I could. We shift it to see that this is another invitation, that so far you've been invited into God's presence. You've been invited to ask him things. You've been invited to make requests known to him. And now you're being invited to join into what he is doing in this world. You're being invited to join into his will, his good, perfect plan for all of creation. Not just your life, but all of creation. And when you get that, that you're invited into that, it will change the way that you understand your role in your prayer life. We pray very small. We pray very narrow-minded prayers. Listen, I guarantee that if I got us all up here and I gave us truth serum and I said, listen, I just want you to write your top ten requests right now that you would probably pray the most over the last, uh, last month. And if we all did that as a collective group, we would see that our prayers are very narrow. They affect our individual lives. They are very focused on this room. They probably don't have far-reaching effects beyond about a 20-mile radius of this building. Because everything that we would pray about is contained in our lives. But the invitation here is so much bigger. Praying in his will, asking in his will, expands what you're taking part in. Your activity, you're participating in something greater. 
This is, this is clearly what Jesus' design was. If you go back through John's gospel, I don't have the time to list all of them out. I picked three, but there's so many other places that I could take you to that you could find on your own. But Jesus tells us in John 8 that his main focus is to please the Father. Like, why did Jesus come? My purpose, my goal, Jesus says, in everything that I do is to please my heavenly Father because I love him. Okay, so that's Jesus' purpose. Now get this, that his main purpose was to please the Father. Guess what? Everything he did, healing people, preaching the gospel, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, thinking of you 2,000 years later and forgiving you of the sin that you've committed, all of those things that he did, he did because they pleased the Father. And he loves to please the Father. His saving you pleased God, and he loves to do that. His main focus was to do that. So then as you go on, later on in in John 14, he says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, So here are two things that Jesus is all about, right? If you were to just boil down what Jesus is really about, here's what it is. His main focus is to please the Father, and his secondary focus within that, which is kind of the same thing, though, is to glorify the Father. That's what it says right here. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Everything Jesus did was about bringing glory to God. Now, if you struggle with understanding what glory to God looks like, here's what it is. When you drive down I-40 like you're headed to Greensboro or something, it's littered with billboards. Those things are just displays to try and get you thinking about whatever is displayed on that. Sometimes it's Dunkin' Donuts. Sometimes it's law firms. Sometimes it's weird stuff. Sometimes it's corn mazes. It's whatever. But those billboards are directed to get your attention, to draw attention to the thing that they're talking about. So when we talk about glorifying God, that's what it is. What is the billboard that you're constructing as other people walk past your life? What is that billboard displaying? Who is it drawing attention to? Where is it taking people? Are you directing people towards something or from someone? A lot of times the billboard that we are constructing for other people to see is talking about us. Look what I just did. Look where I'm going with my life. Look how great I am. A lot of the time. And and we don't say it like that because that sounds really self-centered. Right? It sounds really proud. But a lot of times that's the billboard we're constructing. The billboard we construct is, hey, guys, come see what I did. Come see how great life is over here. Don't you think that I've got it figured out? Because in that, we love to feel like we've got something going on. We've got it together. And the more people that we see seeing that, we feel we feel good about what we got going on. But Jesus says that everything that I do is so that I may put God on billboards and show people what he is like. And I may show people where you can go if you're with God. That's the purpose. And what's a constructive billboard? To glorify the Father. So whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he will do it so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. He says it again in John 15, 14. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Why did he choose you? What did he choose you for? He chose you and appointed you so that you could bear fruit, so that you could serve God. Put God on a billboard with your life. 
that the billboard that you construct would point other people to see your father and the good things about him and so that the good deeds that you do may cause them to praise God. They may go, listen to that, look at that person's life. Do you see the good things they're doing? The good things they're doing is because God's working in them and they'll glorify God in that. That's the point of the good works in your life. The fruit that you bear is so that you may glorify God. And then he finishes this. Jesus says again, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. All of your prayers centered on the glory of God. Those are the prayers that he wants. Now, when you start to pray that way, it's okay to ask for the things that fall into that narrow stream of requests. Got family members who you want to pray to be healed. Absolutely pray for them. Because if God, in His wisdom, in His divine knowledge, chooses to heal your grandfather, He chooses to heal a parent, chooses to heal a loved one or a friend, if He chooses to do that, the idea would be that you would say, I had a part in that, and now I may praise God for what He did in that person's life. But even if He doesn't, glorified in you for the way that you respond to God's mercy and you taking God's no in that way that doesn't destroy your faith and you walk in faith and truth despite the circumstances and other people are benefiting from that God thank you very much that's a good God praise God I love that God I want that for me that's creating perception and growth in you your prayer life should be to look at this psalm 66 18 and i'll end with this if i had cherished iniquity in my heart the lord would not have listened to me but truly god has listened he has attended to the voice of my prayer what the psalmist is saying here is that for those who love and enjoy sin god's not going to listen to those prayers because those prayers are centered in your flesh but for those who have been transformed by Christ, you, you no longer love sinful things. You love good things, right? You love what Jesus is about. You love the work that Jesus is for. You love seeing other people come to know Christ. This is the stuff that you love now because Jesus has transformed your heart. Remember last week we said it's not about when did you accept Christ. It's when did Christ transform your heart. And as a Christian, your heart transforms and you no longer love sin. So since you don't love sin, you start to talk to God and ask God for him to do things that he truly cares for. Things that are in his will. The psalmist says, because I don't cherish sin, because I want to get away from sin, I want to see sin put to death in my life, in the lives of those around me, and in my community, in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in my team. I want to see sin pushed away. I don't want to see people continuing to follow into the traps that Satan has set. I don't want to see people laughing at crude jokes. I don't want to see that. I want to see holiness. I want to see God taking over. I want to see God moving. I want to see people coming to know Jesus. As I start to do that, God listens because I don't cherish sin. He's given me a new heart. Therefore, the heart speaks out a voice in prayer that God answers. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Keep, keep, 
prayer opens the door to show that Jesus died on the cross, but also opens the door to change you, to cleanse you, to mold you to shape you. It's always, I think just some of the people here today, they think that my, your prayers are going to just open and mold and shape God to be who he is. God's never been that way. God does not change. God gave us prayer in order to mold and shape us to be who he is. So these are the last two questions. I have, I have other like list of kind of like four or five questions for this, but we'll get, we'll get there. We can stay on this subject today. We'll get there next week. But here's what I want to say is this. As I was studying this, and these are the two questions that I hope you guys ask yourselves. What types of prayers have God glorified? What types of prayers fall in line with the prayers that he According to his word, what types of prayers have God glorified? And then the follow-up question is, how often do I pray those types of prayers? Um, this is not an exhaustive list, but I'm going to give you a, a jump start to answer questions like, what types of prayers are God glorified? Here's one type of prayer. You can ask God to reveal his grace and mercy to you. Listen, that, that's the type of prayer that God hears and is ready on because it's according to his will. Do you think that it's in his will that you would grow more like Christ? Yes. Absolutely. So with a heart that acknowledges that you need Christ, ask him, grow my spiritual sight. Grow my confidence in your word. Help me to understand the difficult things of scripture and the things that I just can't wrap my mind around. Give me the confidence and the faith to today. I trust you with that, God. I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. There's some things that are hidden. And I'm going to pray you fast. I'm going to pray this last one really fast. I'm going to pray it out loud. You can ask for a release from the power of sin in your life. Listen, if you're, you're struggling with things in your life, sinful things that are, that are distracting you or discouraging you, ask the Lord, help me release me from that. There are people, and, and I'll just tell you this because I know this for a fact. I have prayed that prayer before, and I have felt like, man, God, you're not answering that prayer. That's definitely in your will, and your, your word right here tells me that if I ask that in your will, you hear it, and I know that I'm going to have whatever I just asked of you. So why would I pray that you would just get rid of this? Why keep stumbling and falling into this sin? If you've prayed that prayer before and you have said, God, take this sin out of my life, I, can't, I, I keep falling into the same trap over and over. Why is that? I will just tell you, I don't know your situation, but I can tell you from my own personal experience, when I have done that, I've prayed, God, help me out of this sin. The reason why I keep falling into it is because I'm still relying on myself. I'm not relying on you. And, and I'm just telling you that's me. I don't know your story. I don't know what exactly it is for you, but I can tell you from my experience, I have prayed that prayer, and every time that it has gone unanswered for a release from the power of sin in my life, the reason why that sin in my life is still holding on is because I am trying to do it without Christ. Or I'm saying, hey, Jesus, come along for the ride while I try to kill this sin in my life, rather than saying, Lord, you need to take care of it and help show me what I need to get rid of. Direct and guide me on how to get rid of this sin. Don't let me fall into it. All right, last two. Ask for a greater assurance of truth. God wants you to know truth. There's nothing in here that Jesus doesn't do. And ask 
to victory over idols. Ask God to help remove those things that you see as more valuable than him or those things that you see to improve your life over. Again, those can be good things that he created to be God things. Ask God to take those idols out. Last two, and, and these, this really sets up next week for us, but here, here's some other things we can do. Ask God for spiritual growth and the salvation of other people. This doesn't have to be done in a gossipy way. This doesn't have to be in a proud way where you ask God to, man, I really wish you'd mature so-and-so so they'd start to see things the way that I see them because I'm so righteous and holy. No, no, it's not that. It, it, it's praying, God, I pray that you would grow them more to love you, despise sin, and be more like Jesus. I want that for them because I want what's best for them. For those who are lost, you pray for their salvation. You pray that God would do something and, and break through the darkness of their heart. And maybe you see in the process to plant and water and harvest the seeds of forgiveness. Lastly, ask for the gospel to spread and God's kingdom to advance. This is where I, I pray that your prayers would expand beyond a 15-mile radius of Skyabout Church. That you would begin to pray bigger, bolder, more expansive prayers that God's grace would be seen and felt and understood among people in our country and in other countries among the nations. I've read from Psalm 66. I would encourage you, if you are struggling to have a heart for the nations, go to Psalm 67. I'll read it for you really quickly. It's really short, but this is a beautiful passage, and I'll finish with this. But if you want to expand your heart for the nations, you can start with Psalm 67. It says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the, all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations on their way. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth give thanks. If you want, you can pray every prayer of that. If you've got that kind of heart for God, that's a great way to pray for the gospel to spread and for kingdom to advance. Not just here, but out there. Those are the types of prayers that we pray for to give persecution Jesus in the name. Lord, I, I do ask you to lift this week.